Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. Here we are again at a TV7 Middle East Review. And uh, with me, a great friend and colleague, uh, Colonel Reserve, Dr. Iran Lerman. Good to see you. I also uh, want to uh, wish all our Christian viewers a Merry Christmas, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is a real privileged uh, uh, week. We have had a full year. And we're going to have probably a fuller year ahead of us. But we are very privileged to have all our Christian viewers as great friends and supporters. I would uh, say a happier new year, and that would not require great effort, given what tribulations we've been through over the last two years. <laughs> Let's hope this year will be better than the last one. Anyway, so uh, again, we have a very full agenda. I would like... Um, Iran, with your permission to start with Iran. Iran has been on our mind and one, agenda. One letter wrong and my name is Dirt. <laughs> Iran, Iran, yes, very good. <laughs> but uh, we see, of course, we are now uh, in the wake of uh, the first round, the renewed first round of the talks in Vienna. And we know that uh, the Iranians came stiff-necked as if they were holding all the cards. I think even the Europeans, even the Chinese and, and Russians were astonished at the tough position that the Iran came with the to start. They have, yes, they have reneged from all the, the, the understandings that they had from the last round when uh, Rouhani was in command. Totally uh, different one. What I'm uh, amazed is that the, uh, Euro, the, the powers, right, were that they let them really take the command by, first of all, dictating that they wanted, in, on a parallel way, two teams. One, to deal with sanctions and only sanctions, how to erase them altogether. And the other one is about uh, Iranians' commitments that they wanted to start from anew. So the whole dynamic was towards uh, Iran's favor, pretty much like it was before the JCPOA, the Iranian nuclear... Uh, the uh, deal was, was signed in, uh, in uh, 2015. I want to take an optimistic take and say this. I believe that the top echelon of the Biden administration, not necessarily the negotiator, Robert Malley, whose uh, attitude is, I wouldn't say pro-Iranian, but is and certainly he was here problematic. in Israel before the last round. And left a bad impression. And left a very bad impression to the extent that Prime Minister Bennett refused to see him. Because he saw no, no, no point. And there that. was a spate of uh, uh, almost open criticism uh, of the American position, which is something that the uh, Bennett government avoided until then. I have until to tell then. you a personal point. I, when I was <coughs> in the prime minister's office, back in the first term of, uh, of uh, Netanyahu, yeah. Clinton was the, I'm talking about 97, 98, Clinton was, was president. the president. And, and Mali, at, the same t at, at that time, 
he was a mid, uh, let's say, level career um, uh, official at the uh, Security Council, at the National Security mm-hmm. Council. Right. And uh, he was in charge of the Middle East. And we always, always saw him as a pro-Palestinian. This was the time after Oslo. Well, he has an interesting background. You know, his, his father escaped Egypt because he was a communist, and Nasser hanged communists. Yeah. But to go back to uh, um, the upper echelon, I think the president himself, Blinken, uh, Jake Sullivan, and certainly Lloyd Austin, who spent many years uh, servicing the security interests of the Gulf states as commander of CENTCOM, um, actually understand that Iran is an adversary. Uh, Brett McGurk said as much, and, and so did uh, Austin himself at the Manama Dialogues. In Bahrain. In Bahrain. And so um, perhaps their leniency in tactical matters was designed to force the Europeans, the re- reluctant three European partners, and maybe even the Russians and the Chinese, to stare face to face with the Iranian, uh, you know, uh, Iranian intransigence, Iranian, Iranian, Iranian arrogance, arrogance, it's, it's absolutely, arrogance. It's, absolutely. It's, it's, it's almost blood curdling arrogance in which Iran speaks down to the United States and says, if they comply with our understanding, we will allow them to come into the negotiating room. For now, it's sitting just with the three. And they have demands which are just irrational which are opposing the American Constitution. Yes. They want a commitment from this administration, this president, about future administrations that will ever, never put back the sanctions, which cannot well, be done. Well, it can be done, theoretically, if you bring this to as Congress, a treaty to the, the ratification in the Senate, which would require one-third of all Republicans to go over to Biden's side on a question in which yeah. even some Democrats... Right are critical of him. Menendez and others have been critical of the American JCPOA and the American position. So there's not a chance. Uh, It's about as likely as as Biden taking up the Shia faith. Uh, It will not happen. And so the Iranians... Maybe it's also another kind of collusion by the Iranians trying to uh, put Biden in a very bad political position, you know, in a, again, head-on collision with the Republicans. I don't know if they are thinking in these terms. They, are, they certainly th- have been conducting themselves regionally and in terms of their nuclear negotiating position, as if really, as you said, they have all the cards in their hands. They are the masters of the situation. The Americans owe them an explanation, and that is creating a very dangerous situation. And interestingly, the administration has finally come around to the position that Israel has been advocating for a long time. And what is the major sign that they are coming around and the the major, I would say, signal that is uh, coming out? So the the central concept here is what I call a CMT, short for Credible Military Threat. Now, Israel is making it credible day by day almost by operating in Syria. By the way, signaling to our Arab partners, the Emirates, the Saudis, uh, our strategic partners in the region, that we are not just talking, we are serious about doing what needs to be done to curb Iran. And I'm not referring here to reports and rumors about operations inside Iran, which, of course, no Israeli government would verify or or deny or or confirm. Mm -hmm. But... um, a credible military threat to the Iranian project 
is something that uh, uh, the American administration now, I believe, from what we know, understands and is willing to talk about with Israel uh, for, for, for a very basic reason. If Ali Khamenei comes to the Iranian people and says, let's eat stones and drink the waters of the Gulf, uh, and, and, you know, there's a sh- terrible water sh- crisis in Iraq, but we will suffer some years, and then we will have the bomb. I mean, he doesn't say so, but we all understand where they're going, and then we would dominate the region and its riches, and we would be a power among the great powers of the world. This is a a proposition that many Iranians would sign on to. And this is why it is so important to make it very clear to the Iranian people and the Iranian leadership that they would be denied that option one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And that they will, uh, uh, this has been said by Israel and has been said by President Biden, they will not have a nuclear weapon. They will not reach that destination, no matter how difficult the road is, it will not lead them there. But until now, Iran, and for the last, let's say, since uh, Biden took uh, office, I mean, we're talking now about uh, almost a year now, uh, Israel was talking and preparing, and we saw it by uh, uh, um, allocating five billion shekels just towards a possible uh, mission in Iran, training and all. And All the talking was in Washington. Yes, Iran will never be nuclear, but we didn't see any action. And sometimes they were at odds uh, with uh, Israel's, uh, let's say, um, announcing or uh, uh, unnamed sources that are talking about it. And they were trying kind of to put water to wash it down and and dilute it until these days, as we speak, uh, Gantz, which is our uh, Israel's um, uh, his, his visit, of his visit in Washington was very important mm-hmm. because it signaled a willingness on the American side to sit down, and, and it was made explicit a willingness to sit down and talk about the full range of options. Uh, you remember that uh, early earlier, um, the administration started saying, "Well." they will not have the bomb on our watch. And then they said, they will not have the bomb. And then they said, if the, the talks fail, we will look at options. And then they would said, if the talks fail, we will look at all options. So they, they crawled towards the explicit reference to a credible military threat. And of course, the threat is much more credible if it's Israeli and American, uh, not just Israeli. The Israel must prepare to act alone because that basically forces the hand of all other players. This was true 10 years ago when we talked to the, or 11 years ago when we talked to the Chinese and explained to them what is at stake. And they voted for sanctions, which was amazing. Sure. They and didn't want uh, the oil prices to go up. Exactly. Skyrocketing, yeah. And <laughs> nowadays, I believe that even at the end of the day, neither. Russia, nor even China, uh, with all their glee over American troubles, uh, really want to see a country like Iran, with its uh, radical leadership, uh, in possession of the bomb. But lately, Iran, we saw some leaks from uh, well-placed sources, uh, reliable sources, administration sources, and that was, I think, in conjunction with uh, our Minister of Defense, Benny Gantz, visit in uh, Washington, D.C., 
saying that they are planning a joint uh, military exercise with the formation of attack on Iran. The question is, are there new winds of, of, of change or is it just tactical to push the Iranians towards as, as they come you know, in the second round to make them a little bit more pliable and flexible? It's both. Um, on one hand, it is clearly a, a way, a, a nudge uh, to the Iranians to soften up a, a, an impossible position, uh, a signal to all the other players that uh, in the language that they, they taught me once on, uh, on uh, uh, a negotiation theory, that if there is no Zopa, there will be a Batna, if you remember these uh, initials. So if there's no zone of possible agreement, because Iran's demands are important, cannot be met, mm -hmm. then there is a better alternative to a negotiated uh, agreement. Uh, and that's the, the, the Batna. And there is, there is such an option. And so it's a, a signal to both the Iranians and the other five of the six. At the same time, knowing my uh, American friends, uh, and we both know them, you know them better than I do, um, they are not a nation given to idle threats. When they threaten, they threaten with the capacity to deliver. Uh, I'm not sure that us here in Israel have always been that careful not to be caught uh, in bluster, but the Americans are very careful. Except so Iran, the, there was an exception. The DOD speaks that language. DOD, yes, but there was an exception, which I think we all suffer from it until now. In uh, 2013, 2014, yeah. when Obama threatens Assad, Syria, that there is a red line, you know, for him butchering his own people or using chemicals, we weapons, if that happens, then, you know, it was uh, kind of construed that, of course, the U.S. will stop it one way or another, another yeah, military. I'm... And the day came, Assad used ke chemical weapons, and the U.S. did nothing. Well, not exactly nothing. It made an open threat. It had the capacity. And then it negotiated with the Russians, an outcome which I'm not sure was not a good one, mm -hmm. namely that Assad committed, uh, didn't fully uh, deliver, but he delivered on 90-odd percent. But that also brought of, of Russia hook, sink, and barrel into the Syria, and now basically Syria is controlled by Russia, which maybe is a good thing. Maybe not a bad thing for, from right, an Israeli point of view. Right, because the alternative would be Iran. Iran. And by the way, um, in every Israeli household, the result of UN Security Council Resolution 2118 is actually visible in that we don't keep uh, the masks, the gas masks anymore, uh, mm -hmm. available against a, a Syrian attack. So I, I am of two minds. It's true that what did the most damage was Obama's later offhand comment that uh, credibility is overrated. He said this, I think, to to J.J. Goldberg in the famous uh, interview, yeah. and and that that definitely raised the question. I think the present team, uh, at the highest level, is a very um, traditional establishment team. It is not a radical uh, bunch of progressives, uh, God forbid. <laughs> and uh, in that sense, and they understand that American credibility is very much 
a, uh, an element, and after what happened in Afghanistan, all the more so. And so I, I, I allow myself a, a degree of, of optimism that the, the, this administration is coming uh, to the conclusion that uh, you cannot talk sweet to the kind of leadership you have in Tehran now, Khamenei, Raisi, and it's, it's murderous coterie of, of IRGC uh, thugs. Right. And, Iran, and now, Iran, it remains to be seen whether the message is being well-received or understood in Tehran, because it seems like so far they are continuing to play brinkmanship. You know, they are uh, pulling the thread all the way without really tearing it. Uh, and at the same time, you know, it's an attrition political war against the uh, five powers plus one on the one hand. And, uh, and, and secondly, it's just the procrastination is making them another, a more timeline, you know, extending the timeline to continue you know, they, and enrich. They get, they get closer. And everyone understands that enriching to 60%, not to mention 90%, may, puts a lie, a total lie, to the famous uh, never proven fatwa of the, I mean, uh, religious injunction of the supreme leader against the nuclear weapon. Nobody enriches to 60% other than for that purpose, 90%, let, let alone 90%. Mm-hmm. So there we are, and our Gulf friends are torn between uh, mistrust of the Americans and, uh, and the, the hope that Iran will be stopped. And so we saw some signs of hedging, uh, Tahnun's visit to, to Tehran, and perhaps some signs of counter-pressure with uh, the visit of uh, um, the heir, apparent, uh, heir to the throne uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, in the Emirates. Of course, of course he enjoyed himself in the expo, but, uh, uh, but he basically came to perhaps consolidate the position. Israel, Saudi Arabia, and others in the region are now trying to send a, mess- a very clear message, uh, both mm-hmm. to Washington and to Tehran. So, Iran, if we can sum up pretty much until the next time, of course, we sum up only temporarily until the next uh, Middle East review, uh, the Iranian situation, um, we are all hopeful that the patience ran out, not only in Washington, D.C., but also at all the capitals of the negotiators starting in Berlin, of course, London, Paris, and hopefully also Moscow and and Beijing on the one hand. But it seems like the local players here, what Israel and the Gulf countries will continue to coordinate where Israel is continuing to put the uh, military pressure and the Gulf headed by Saudi Arabia will continue to put the uh, political pressure and also putting the umbrella to keep all the Sunni moderate countries in the same camp and not uh, losing them to Tehran, who is trying to really pull them back in all kinds of kind of a a charm attack. Indeed. When you say moderate, by the way, we need always to to remind ourselves that uh, um, we face a dilemma uh, with another Sunni power, namely Turkey, Uninvited by the Biden administration to that the is a summit great segue to the next uh, subject uh, on, on Turkey because yes because uh, um, they they are very ambiguous in their attitude. 
towards the, uh, what I call the camp of stability in the region, Egypt, Israel, Saudi Arabia, the, the Emirates, etc., Jordan. And we have seen evidence during December that uh, terrorism directed from Turkey by Hamas operatives uh, resident in, in Istanbul uh, has raised its head. We had uh, a rising number uh, of, of terror attacks. And that is a very worrisome indication that while uh, uh, Erdogan may have engaged in uh, a charm offensive, talking to, uh, after the release of the two Israelis, he talked to the Israeli leadership, he may expressed an interest in better relations, he's been trying to uh, lower down the level of uh, hostility with Egypt, uh, certainly with the Emirates, etc. But at the end of the day, a member of NATO still harbors an active terrorist network of an organization recognized most recently by Britain uh, as a terrorist organization. Uh, Hamas. Hamas. In all its aspects, political and And they give military. shelter and uh, housing to uh, the arch-terrorist of Hamas, you mentioned Salah, Salah Haruri, uh, who is not only, it was a proven uh, uh, murderer, was in Israeli jail, was released, as Israel, you know, is very humanitarian on many cases, too much maybe. And he is now uh, actually stationed mostly in Turkey and Lebanon. And he is the one conducting the Hamas, actually, operations where they are trying to actually um, export the Hamas extremism and also Hamas uh, maybe uh, ruling into the West Bank. And maybe this is also explaining this uh, past uh, month of um, hyped terrorist attacks. We see it uh, by supposedly lone wolves, but I think there is always, always an, a, a push by Hamas in an organized way to bring up uh, uh, terror in the West Bank. And this is, again, the double-edged sword of Hamas. They're trying to keep, because it's their interest, to keep Gaza quiet as they Very try quiet. to rebuild. Very yeah. quiet. But, the last few months it has been right. rem- not even uh, incendiary balloons. It's- yes, but at the same time, they are actually acting up and increasing operations, terror operations, in the West Bank. That's the way of, of basically trying to rescue their reputation as a jihadi fighting organization, because uh, their conduct in Gaza is essentially by now that of, of uh, the collectors from a, uh, a protection racket. Give us money, we'll, uh, or else we will burn your fields. That's essentially uh, what it has come to. And, Clear-cut uh, mafia. It is a mafia style, and the world uh, looks at it, and, and, and they can see that this is what they have become. That's not adding to the reputation of the jihadi struggle. However, uh, by the way, Iran, you know we that don't have to talk to them. The Egyptians do, and I think in 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 clear, uh, let's say, unvarnished Egyptian dialect, they can explain to the, to the Gaza leadership what is at stake, and they've been doing it remarkably well, and I, I salute the Egyptians for their role in recent months. Which is very much their own interest, because uh, they are always threatened politically by the Ikhwan, the Indeed. Muslim Brotherhood, which Hamas is a part of, and also by many uh, extremist Islamists like Al-Qaeda and uh, ISIS cells in the Sinai. And Israel is putting on the table uh, an offer to make life in Gaza better. Uh, Foreign Minister Lapidus, perhaps 
as powerful in this government mm -hmm. as the prime minister, has uh, put forward the outlines of, of, of this concept. Um, it may be backed even across the aisle, because if you may remember, uh, one of the most powerful men in Netanyahu's party, in Likud, uh, former uh, finance minister and, and transport, before the transport minister, Israel Katz, supported this vision of an island mm -hmm. for Gaza that would service uh, their trade. Uh, there, there is an option to make the life of Gazan, the Gazan people better, but Hamas has to f come into a long-term uh, arrangement, which will also include the retrieval of the bodies of our two uh, soldiers, uh, officer and soldier, and the, the life, the, the two uh, unhinged individuals who crossed over and are held uh, in the most uh, despicable fashion as hostages. Well, Iran, it's, it's very complicated, the, the case in Gaza, because, uh, you know, um, short of total demilitarization of Gaza, whereby Hamas uh, surrenders all its illegal arms and activities, um, I don't think we can get a, uh, a long-term agreement unless the whole concept is becoming different I'm just taking it uh, from uh, the talks in Vienna, less for less. That means, okay, Hamas will not, right, uh, give up its arms, but at the same time, uh, they will not get everything that they wanted, namely uh, seaport, airport, and uh, many other things which are unchecked. Well, this is the distinction uh, in the Arabic uh, between a hudna, a long, a long, long-term ceasefire with benefits, uh, armistice with benefits, and the Tahadia, which is a sort of shorter-term ceasefire with less benefits. But in both cases, the less violence there is, the better would be the lives of people in Gaza and, of course, on the Israeli side of the border. And in itself, that's not a mean uh, achievement, uh, given the uh, un, uh, unchangeable hostility of Hamas to Israel's very existence. And of course, there is always the undeniable connection between the talks in Vienna with Iran and terror in the Middle East. Iran mm -hmm. is the main benefactor of Hamas in terms of uh, weapons and inspiration and financial. And if the uh, talks will include, you know, curbing the uh, Iranians' illegal activities in the Middle East, this also will affect Hamas and maybe make Hamas a more f in favor of some long-term agreement. This is probably why President Macron suggested after the first, uh, the failure of the talks in Vienna that Israel and Saudi Arabia should be brought in, which the Iranians rejected out of hand. Right. And, you know, we talked about mafia uh, beforehand, and that just brings into mind that the major drug dealers in the world are Hezbollah and Assad, and, and this money finances mm -hmm. all their terror. And then let's see what comes out of Afghanistan. And Afghanistan, of course. And, uh, well, I think, again, the lesson has always been that it takes an entire world, a network of all Western like-minded countries to face up this network of terror, starting in Tehran with all the other posts. Well, this was another uh, issue of... Uh, our TV7 Middle East Review, and next time we'll see you in 2022. A happy new year again. Happy new year.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.